Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fort Wayne Local Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McAfee. Today, our special guest is Casey Steinbacher. Casey, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jake. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about Electric Works today, the GE campus in downtown Fort Wayne. Uh, before we jump into that, I kind of want to give people a little bit of background about you, just so you know we know why, uh, why we should listen to you. So um, after graduating from Penn State, uh, you became the City of Williamsport's Community and Economic Director. Uh, you then moved up to the CEO of Lycoming County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, then you took your talents to Palm Beach and became the CEO of Palm Beach North uh, Chamber of Commerce. And then found your home as the Greater Durham Chamber of Commerce President. Uh, you retired in 2015 and started your, uh, your own company, Casey's Company which is a consulting company for businesses, economic development, chamber of commerce. Uh, you're also the executive director, director of Made in Durham, which is a partnership of government education, educators and businesses to help get all of Durham's youth on track for um, you know, success through education and then into a career. So, um, and then also your most prestigious title, this is the most <laughs> important one, you're my mother-in-law. So you should feel very, you should feel very yeah. special for that. Which, by so, the way, is, is the reason for you to listen to me, not necessarily the rest of your audience, too, but yeah. Well, now we're just splitting hairs. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we jump in, um, I want to give people a quick backstory on the General Electric campus so we mm -hmm. know why it's important, why it's going to affect us. So uh, it's located just southwest of downtown Fort Wayne. It's 39 acres, 18 historical buildings, and 1.2 million square feet. Um, it's highlighted by brick exteriors, large open spaces, uh, wood plank ceilings, and even a bowling alley, which is pretty cool. So um, General Electric came to Fort Wayne around the turn of the 20th century after acquiring Fort Wayne Electric Company. At its peak in the 1940s, uh, during World War II, it employed 40% of our city's workforce, um, which was over 20,000 people. I think they said one in nine um, people in Fort Wayne had worked there. Um, they manufactured electric parts, motors, transformers that were vital during World War II. Currently, as it sits, it's very dilapidated, broken windows, um, you know, just a dangerous eyesore for the community. And what's been happening is RTM Ventures, uh, they're a real estate developer that has been tabbed to bring it back to life, really. They want to keep the space, you know, keep the, the soul of the space, keep some of its history, but while renovating into... Um, a few different things. They want to have an innovation center, which is going to help entrepreneurs flourish with flexible co-working space and special programs to support them. Um, they want anchor institutions with educational and research opportunities, um, health and fitness opportunities, residential, retail, food hall, office space. Um, and the reason, you know, that's been a very controversial thing is they want $65 million from the city in order to fund it. Um, and they'll get that, as of right now, the way it stands, they'll get that if they meet certain leasing and private financing thresholds. Um, most recently, they secured Do It Best as their anchor tenant, and they're going to relocate their headquarters to, uh, to GE if this thing works. So um, I guess we'll start with you. What are your ties to, to Electric Works? So um, back when I was the CEO of the Durham Chamber of Commerce, um, Eric Doden, who at the time uh, was the executive director of the state of Indiana's Economic Development Corporation, um, came to Durham to study uh, a similar kind of project that we have here in Durham called the American Tobacco Campus. 
um, he had contracted with a consulting company out of Pittsburgh to identify on behalf of the state a 10 communities across the United States that have done, had done a really good job in the whole concept of place-based economic development. In other words, using your sense of place and to really create the kind of uh, new community you want, you, want your, you want your citizens to have and you want to use to uh, recruit talent to your community. And so he came here to study this uh, campus uh, at the time. I was the president of the chamber, took him around, had some conversations. Um, and uh, from that time on, I think uh, I was engaged with Fort Wayne uh, on a couple of initiatives, on a couple of times that we got engaged in conversations because um, from Eric's perspective, he felt very strongly that of all the places he looked at, this particular place, Durham, and specifically this project at American Tobacco, was so close to what uh, Fort Wayne was looking at in terms of uh, what where we were 10 years ago, where Fort Wayne is today, in terms of both where you're at in your economic development activity and where you were at in terms of the physical space that you had. So he thought it, it was most likely that what we learned here would be replicable in, in Fort Wayne. So I came up a few times, did a couple of sessions with some people there, uh, both local leaders uh, addressed a state group. Uh, as well, and uh, have been up once or twice since then, in addition to occasionally coming to see my grandchildren. Best, best time of the year. So, <laughs> so let's start with right now, present time. Uh, tell us about American Tobacco Campus. Like, you know, what happened, what, what's going on there? What type of age groups? Like, what are the activities? Like, give us the current state of where it's at. Yeah, so for those, I'll just do a real recap, uh, Jake, just in case somebody aren't, aren't familiar with American Tobacco Campus. It's, sure. it's very, very similar to what it is you just described about GE. So it's an old American tobacco facility. It was a manufacturing and warehousing facility for the uh, American Tobacco Company. Um, it was, a, at, in, in its entirety at one point, was about 1.2, 1.3 million square feet. Um, uh, in the 1980s, it closed down um, and sat here empty for... 20 plus years um, uh, in uh, eyesore, dilapidated, trees growing through the roof, the whole nine yards. Eventually uh, was bought by a local uh, developer um, who has since renovated it and it has become, um, it's now about a, it's a million three now still, we lost about a 300,000 worth of square foot on the actual main campus, but across the street, additional construction that is uh, relevant to the campus still brings it back to about 1.3 million square feet. So who's on here now? Um, it, by the way, I should say to you, of the million three square feet, it is 98% rented constantly, constantly. You only get in American Tobacco when American Tobacco has the, uh, a lease runs out and they choose uh, to move forward uh, or move out and American Tobacco is able to move you in somehow. It is mostly, uh, uh, technology-related companies, uh, which was part of the plan when it was first uh, brought on board to engage technology companies, but it also includes Duke University. Uh, it includes uh, a, a, a Duke corporate education as well, um, but, there are mo but it's mostly technology-related companies along with all the service-related kind of companies that would come with that. Now we have restaurants here, um, we have uh, radio stations here, um, uh, foundations that run uh, programs here as well. So uh, it's very young. Um, the average age in Durham, just so you know, is only 32 years old. Um, that was not the case back in 2000 when this project was started. Um, it has substantially helped uh, bring a very young creative class uh, to Durham and keep the creatives that we have here in Durham in Durham. 
So that's important for people to know too, because I know for the longest time, a lot of people from Fort Wayne would go up to college and get educated and then go to Indianapolis, go to Chicago, you know, go to Cincinnati even. Uh, I have a lot of friends in those cities. So I, I think that's kind of at the core of what we're talking about here. Um, so, so going back then, now that we know what it is now, um, take us back to the beginning then when you talked about the condition that was in, what, what exactly were your ties to that project when you first started? Well, actually early on, uh, they, this project actually started before I came to Durham. Um, it's, I, I was involved, which I'll talk a little bit about in the, the second iteration of it, um, because that's the beauty of this project. It's constantly iterating itself. Once you get involved in this kind of work, it's real, it's fun to be involved in uh, what is next, what is next. You're just constantly looking at what is next. What did it look like? Well, um, it, it's really actually started with the Durham Bulls baseball stadium, which is everyone knows the Durham Bulls, just like it was in the movies, was actually filmed here, that is in Durham, in downtown Durham. Um, and that stadium, um, and that the, uh, the lo a local company, um, Capital Broadcasting, the, the CEO of that company decided that he wanted to buy the Bulls um, and turn, it, turn them into something. I'm making a very long story short, but to do that, he needed a new stadium. The city agreed to build a new stadium for him in order to keep the, 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 the Bulls in town. He built that stadium directly across the street from the American Tobacco Campus. And what happened was they built that beautiful stadium at 10,000 people come in every night to watch baseball games and stare at a building that was empty boarded up, trees growing through it. The, literally the only activity going here was the Durham Police Department using it um, to do SWAT kind of training and the fire department to do fire training. Um, and so he decided that he needed to do something uh, to really, uh, not only just protect his investment, but really as an opportunity to do something for Durham. So long and the short of it, um, they got uh, together with uh, a lot of uh, not key partners in Durham, Duke University being one, um, McKinney Agency, which is a very large um, advertising agency that competes with uh, agencies in, in New York City, and convinced them to actually be part of a partnership to do something with this facility. And, and they started that, and he bought it in 2000, in 2000. It took them till, and this is important for your audience to understand, once they started, it took them till 2004 to even open. I mean, it's a long, arduous process. And since that time, and, it opened, and since it's opened, it's iterated many times over. What I got involved in it is in 2007, um, what ha was happening is was we were starting to get some technology companies coming to Durham. They were very interested in this kind of creative space because that's what their talent, that's what their employees really wanted, not the typical office space. But they couldn't necessarily afford large amounts of space here in Durham, large leases because they're small. A lot of them are startups. And so what, what we were able to do is create, literally build out the, the basements of the American tobacco co uh, complex and created what we called American underground because it was in the basement. Um, and we put in small 30-day uh, lease uh, spaces in the basement um, and it immediately filled up about 40 uh, within the first year to the point where I can tell you today, um, American underground actually has four locations in Durham. <laughs> Out three, uh, three of them outside of the American Tobacco Campus, uh, up the street a little ways uh, on Main Street. So, um, um, my 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 plan, uh, my engagement with them was really around the whole: how do we use this space to leverage not just the creative class, but to re, uh, to leverage entrepreneurship and people wanting to start up their own business. 
That's beautiful. And and kind of going back to you mentioning, you know, the ballpark, like from where I sit right now, I can see the Tin Cap Stadium and then the top of the GE campus. So we do kind of have that synergy. Yep. They're not quite as close, but walkable for sure. So, um, so when you got started, did the project have public support or at least when you got involved, was the public supporting it or was there some controversy? Oh, God. Well, yeah, first of all, we're in Durham. So there's controversy in everything we do uh, here in Durham. Uh, but yeah, it really did. Um, and so uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, there would have been a lot of projects that had been uh, proposed for this space before Jim did it, and none of them panned out. So immediately when, when Capital Broadcasting came in and wanted to do it, it was just, this is just another project, right? Yeah. Um, it also, by the way, followed up a project to do the public space, the, the new Durham Bull Stadium. The new Durham Bull Stadium, when they first proposed to do that, they went out on a county-wide referendum to, to raise the money to actually do the stadium, and it failed miserably. 73% of the population in Durham said, don't do it, and voted oh, no. it down. So just so you know, yes, of course, there's always that initial um, trepidation. This is just a money pit. This is just uh, developers trying to make money. This is public dollars. Why should we do that? It is a natural inclination um, of, of, of citizens in a community. Um, what, ha what they were able to do, though, was uh, put in a lot of protections in place so that the public money that actually went into these projects went in after they were able to demonstrate the commitments that they were actually going to be here and perform on what it is that they were going to be doing. And a lot of it was, quite frankly, tax credits, um, you know, that didn't necessarily cost direct cash, but was tax credits that, uh, that were applied to the project when it was done. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, we went through the same thing here. So when they built the 10 cap stadium 10 years ago, we already had wizard stadium over off Coliseum, which is, there's nothing around. It's not walkable, but everybody said, we have a baseball stadium. Why do we need another baseball stadium? Right. And it was, there's lots and lots of pushback and it's been a smash hit. That's kind of spurred all this. It's really been the catalyst. So, um, was there a turning point? Like what helped get this project approved for you guys down there? Well, I, I do think it came relative. It came within uh, five years after the Durham Bulls. So the Durham Bulls, uh, I would say to you, uh, by that time would, was already ridiculously successful. It had gone from a single A franchise all the way to a triple A franchise in just those first five or six years. The stadium was packed. It was doing incredibly well. Um, and the owner, um, therefore, had a really good reputation, right, as someone that could do this development. So when they proposed to come over here, while there was not a lot of uh, support for it at first, I think people started to get comfortable with the developer over time. And then the second thing is that the public financing in this particular project ended up being uh, financing associated with what you would call public pieces of it. And what I mean by that is, the, the financing, the direct cash contributions coming from the city and the county paid for all the parking decks associated with it. Because you know, when you're a developer and you're doing a project, you're required by zoning to also provide parking for what it is you're doing. Parking is very expensive nowadays in terms of the per space cost. Um, and so what the city decided to do was, look, we're gonna, we have all this other public stuff going on during Bulls. We have some ideas of other public things we wanna put in this area we're going to build the parking deck. So they literally spent 100% built and took off of the plate of the developer uh, a large amount of financing associated with it. And then um, 
I think that got also got the community more comfortable so that when the other financing came to the project, it was, it was easier to swallow. People felt good about it. Okay. And then how did the great recession affect it? Um, did that slow it up at all? Cause I think there's some rumblings here of like, how's this going to move forward with what's going on with coronavirus. We know public funding is going to be affected. I don't even think we've really felt the effect of it yet. Um, mm -hmm. But with that coming, how, did you guys have any, since you, I think you said you got involved in 2007. So how did that affect yeah. it? Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's a, that's a very legitimate question. I would say to you that um, by 2008, uh, you know, in Durham, Durham's a very, do any research on Durham, Durham's a very, uh, is a, is a, is a, very as close to recession proof as you can come. And when I say that, no one is going to be re recession proof from COVID by far, but it has a very diverse industry sector. Um, you know, Research Triangle Park is in Durham um, and 80% uh, of it is in Durham. And so we're the kind of, there were the kind of community where the last into a recession and the first out of a recession typically. So the really didn't, recession really didn't hit us until, you know, late eight, nine. Um, okay. By that time, I think uh, American Tobacco Campus had been, was pretty solid. Um, uh, and d d it definitely saw some uh, recession-related activities, but nev never to the point um, where it was not, uh, you know, uh, fully rented uh, or able to continue to operate. It just had to pull back a little on its community-related pieces of, of what it is it did. Um, and it did, uh, and I did do some, you know, uh, rent concessions to some of the tenants that were already here with long-term leases, right? So okay. that they could put some of the, uh, some of the recession on the, or some, sorry, some of the rent concessions on the back end. But no, it, it is, uh, it was quite frankly, I will tell you, it was a sense of pride during the recession that we still had this kind of place to come to. It is a physically beautiful place, what it is that they've actually done to an old, brick manufacturing location. You've been here, you've known, you see it. It is the kind of place that people came to um, to be part of and feel good about your community. Okay, that's exactly what we're looking for. And then this is a little technical and I know it was a while ago, but do you remember the tax revenue from before you started to what it is now? Well, I don't yeah. put you on the spot there. No, I, I actually can't tell you a real numbers. I do not remember that. Um, and I should have looked that up for you and I did not. But I could tell you it was zero. <laughs> I mean, when this this was in bankruptcy, this was literally sitting around generating nothing. Um, uh, it, it, um, and so where it's at right now, it is well, uh, it is a uh, it is a high performing location. Um, it is a high rental rate uh, to actually be here. Um, it is a high uh, tax producing entity, uh, uh, both in terms of real estate taxes and in terms of sales and use tax because of all the other things we didn't even Jake didn't even get into every after 2004 when this opened it then spurred additional we have a state-of-the-art across the street at one end is the Durham Bulls Stadium at the other end is the Durham Performing Arts Center which literally um, the city again invested in um, it's city-owned but privately run uh, and that facility uh, generates somewhere between a million and six million dollars a year to the bottom line of the city uh, right now as tax, as not just tax revenue on what it is that they're doing there. I mean, on a per cop on a sales revenue. In other words, they are partners with the private sector operating it, and at the end of the year, whatever they split the profit associated with running that organization. And last year, they split six million dollars. 
which is oh, unheard of for performing arts. That would not have happened without the American Tobacco Campus being across the street. Okay, and that's and I wanted to say that because you know a, a big pushback is why are we spending government dollars for something that is privately owned? But you know the projections I've read, they've said that like right now it's the campus here is generating I think around one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, and they're anticipating between like seven and eight million a year in revenue. So yeah, you know you invest the sixty five million and then you you recoup it over nine years. You know, it's exactly right, and I and they have uh, yes, and that's exactly what happened here, and it happens in most good economic development projects. You know, you're able to you basically you have to look at this as investing in it, not subsidizing it. Right, you're investing in it because you get the money back. Um, plus, it provides all, and not just in real estate fees. It provides such a ripple effect. You know, every restaurant here has lots of people employed that may yeah. not have been employed had that not been the case, this not been renovated as an example. Okay, and that was, you know, so I, one of my questions was, what are some of the unanticipated benefits? So it sounds like some of the unanticipated stuff was just the additional growth, like right. the pride right. that maybe some of it's intangible and then the, the growth that continued with the momentum. Yeah, I would say there's two other ones that I would tell you about. One is that they did a fabulous job of creating the space, the green space that's here. They made, even though it's privately owned, um, the community of Durham believes they own it. They've done such a fabulous job of doing public things here. All summer long, there's concert series on the lawn. Um, there's not a Saturday. You, well, you know, I actually live in American Tobacco campus. I live on campus. There's not a Saturday I get up where I'm not looking out my window at a birthday party, a graduation initiative. It's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a beautiful campus that really invites the community to come be part of it free of charge in a whole bunch of different ways. And then the second thing it did, it just quite frankly, I, and I, I don't know how your audience will understand this at first, it's hard to wrap your head around, but the vibe it created for Durham as a cool, innovative, urban feel kind of place, but in not a large city. So you get, you get young creatives that, like you said, go off, go to college. Let's just say go to college at Duke right here in Durham, take off and go to New York City or Washington DC, live in a 400 square foot room closet um, with six other people to be able to afford it for five years and say, God, I can't do this anymore, but I love, the urban feel. So they come to Durham regularly. They come to Durham. They now live in a thousand foot apartment by themselves, get a great job in, in, in Durham and still can hang out at places that feel like um, they're in an urban setting and are cool and creative and engage a broader, diverse kind of community. And that is really helped Durham um, create the kind of vibe that when we're attracting other companies to come here, the first thing they say to us is, what kind of place is Durham in terms of my ability to get the talent I want and keep the talent there because it's the kind of community they want to live in? And all we do is take them and walk them through downtown Durham and they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, this is, in addition to showing them all the numbers, they're like, I I'm in. Um, and I'll just give you an example. Since COVID, since COVID, since March, we've announced three new life science companies coming to Durham. Three new life science, 2,600 jobs announcements in the last three months. I hope, I hope everyone heard that. I, I really want that <laughs> to sink in. Like that's, that's the whole point behind, I guess there's two points. One is I'm really glad to hear you talk about the vibe because I feel like Fort Wayne has so much momentum right now where I, there's I a pride we've never seen, you know? 
I agree with that. I, 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 Jake, I, when they brought me up there and started showing me around before you moved back, I, I remember them taking me along the riverfront and saying, you know, we got this vision. We're going to get rid of the scrub. We're going to create this riverfront. And they all turned and looked at me. And I literally looked at them and said, seriously, you flew me up here to ask me whether that's a good idea? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, do it. You, Durham, Fort Wayne is a cool city. Let's say this. Fort Wayne has the bones necessary to be a cool city. Well said. And I feel like we have so much momentum. And I, I feel like this project is like what's really going to push us, you know, to the next level. And then also coming back to, you know, this is all about long-term viability and keeping our city yes. competitive where people want to be here, all, all different types of people, you know, not just someone who's looking for inexpensive housing or likes parks, you know, we, we want to attract young, educated talent who's looking for something to do. They don't want to, you know, just hang out and chill. They want to go and be able to have walkable bars, you know, go to meetings like a live work play thing. And I feel like yep. this, this embodies it. Um, what's something you think could have been done better? about the American tobacco, like if you had it to do over again, what's something that you would maybe do differently? Yeah, you know, uh, that's, really, that's really an interesting question. Um, I would say to you, um, if you ask this of the company right now that owns it, and I do a lot of work with Capital Broadcasting, um, they're a phenomenal family, um, do a ton of work in Durham. Um, I would say to you that they, along with everyone else, were really worried, you know, they, they, they believed in what it is they were doing. They knew they were in it for the long haul, right? They didn't expect to have a rate of return tomorrow. They knew it was going to take some time. They did a lot of long-term leases for organizations that they put in here um, to uh, create some stability. Never, they did not plan for success. And because they had such immediate success, they had some companies in here, or they had some tenants in here, all good tenants. But as, as this kind of really started to create this new vibe, it took them longer, I think, to be able to end those leases and bring in those new companies that they really wanted. Like when we have, literally, we bid on Apple and Amazon um, to come here when they were both looking at it. And we, we, we did not, we could not put enough space together um, here to be able to accommodate them coming here. Because uh, we just couldn't, we didn't have it built and available because we have we we had too many long-term leases here, um, and so I would say to you, plan for success, plan that this is going to be a success. People don't do that. Uh, actually, it's Durham's biggest problem right now. We have a big problem with affordable housing because it just went through the roof. I know that's good for a realtor <laughs> to, to know, but housing went through the roof, and so it's really hard for us because um, and because we never for a million years. <clears throat> expected to be as successful as we've been. So plan for success. Okay, and then a couple, I wanna talk about a couple more objections that I just, you know, I read them in the comments sections. I have them with some of my friends and stuff like that when we're sitting around and um, I was listening to, it was an older interview, it was um, Mayor Tom Henry's podcast, but he said one of the biggest things was, one of his biggest hurdles was that the, the developers didn't have any skin in the game. So he felt like they didn't have anything to lose. Uh, what do you say to that? Is that normal? Is that is this just a negotiation or how did that, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, I, I would say to you, um, all developers have skin in the game. Um, whether it, it, it just depends how you define skin in the game, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a typical financing plan, um, this, the, the all, what, at least how can I explain? So when you're, you're a developer and you're doing a project, there is risk associated with doing the project, right? 
at the end of the at the end of the day, you own that project and you're you're liable for its success or lack of success, right? So what you usually use, if you think about, think about it this way. Think about it from the perspective of what you use public financing to do. So when, when I'm a developer and I'm doing this, no developer has a ton of skin in the game originally. You go out and you raise that money, right? You get investors to come in and help invest in this. When you're asking an investor to invest in a community like Durham was when we started this and like Fort Wayne is now, that's riskier, right? It's not a primary location. It's considered a tertiary secondary investment. And when you do a secondary tertiary investment, an investor wants a higher rate of return because there's a higher, greater risk that it's not going to work out. Sure. So, a, so, a, so a owner like this has to guarantee them instead of maybe a five, six, 7% return has to guarantee them a 12% return. So that's the risk the owner is taking, right? The developer is taking that they're going to be able to provide that rate of return to this investor. What you use public financing for is to, is to write down that risk and, and so that it becomes easier to meet that rate of return, right? So your financing means, okay, I'm not spending as much money up front so I can, I can guarantee that higher rate of return to the investor. I know that sounds a little complicated, but that's basically what, if you are a developer of large commercial projects that require large investments, um, investor engagement in a tertiary city, it's, it's, it's going to cost you more money to go get that money and bring it in because it's, it, they can go to New York City and get 5% and not think twice, right? No, mm -hmm. no risk. So that's basically what most people don't understand. When you're doing this, that risk is on the owner, is on the owner. Uh, to be able to give them that. So what you're trying to do with the public money is write down that risk. So yeah, it, it, you're, you're can, can, you can convince these investors to come in and invest in it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell people, you know, it's a very exciting project, and I really hope it happens. In Orlando, there's 10 of those going on, yeah. you know? Right. So at the same time, if we're going to entice somebody to come here, you also, you know, you got to factor in your leverage. So, mm -hmm. um, and then with the city contributing $65 million, I don't know if it's true that there was rumors that the developers were going to make $16 million. So I know we've just put some of that into context. Um, but I think when some people just hear that city spends 65, developers make 16, they think that that's us being ripped off as the taxpayers um, with no context. But can you can you maybe add some context to that, or, or do you think that's a bad deal? I mean, what what's your well? First of all, first of all, I don't. You know, I would not comment on that. Not actually seeing the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. I would never. Uh, I would never make any assumptions that that's true or not true. So let me just say that. Um, it, it, is it common? Is it common for investors to make money? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what they do. Uh, <laughs> let me just put this into context for you. When a guy builds a shopping center, he builds it to make money. He puts tenants in there and he makes money off of that. What they're objecting to is that the city is putting this investment in and the developer gets to make money off of it. The city does too. <laughs> The yeah. city makes real estate money. The city makes sales and use tax money. The city makes additional uh, it, property tax money because all of the houses in the neighborhood surrounded it now sell for twice as much money. It's an investment. It's not, a, it's not a fee. It's not them putting money in. It's them investing money so that they can make money just like the developer does. The key is, and I don't know, I would not comment on this project without seeing the numbers. The key is just to make sure that the investment is the return of 
the rate of return to both the city and the developer is fair. Yep. I have the same conversation regularly when people talk about my commission when I'm selling a house. I say, you know, at the end of the day, your goal is to make your money, not limit mine, because maybe we can both get what we want, you know, and, and everybody's happy. Exactly right. It's, it's exactly right. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of risk in real estate development. For sure. Okay. Um, and we've, I've had more questions. We've pretty much covered, covered most of them. Just to kind of wrap it up, what would you say is one big takeaway? Like if just one point you really want to drive home to Fort Wayne residents about a project like this? Yeah, I, I'm actually glad you asked that question because having been at Fort Wayne and seen it, I, I, I'm going to go back to the Fort Wayne. Uh, it has the bones to be an incredible community. What you have to understand is you're never going to reach your potential um, if you're not able to understand uh, what the kind of things that you have to do in order to be able to create that vibrancy in a community. What your community is trying to do right now is figure out how to bring, keep and bring talent into your community. People that are going to uh, continue to pay taxes, continue to build homes, continue to, to hire realtors, continue to go to grocery stores, all those businesses there, right? All those businesses need customers, right? You, and so what, what, the, what brought Eric to, to Durham in the first place was that he looked at the rate of growth in the state of Indiana in the first place. He, he looked at the growth of communities and, the, and, the, and literally the growth rate was bursts over deaths in a community. You can't survive economically on bursts over deaths. You have to have this kind of vibrant community that people want to come to and be part of. And so these are the kind of projects that you do to create that sense of vibrancy for yourself and for all those eventual customers that are going to come into your community and support you to be able to make a living in the community that you live in, be your friends, be your children's friends. It's, 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 this, isn't, this isn't a real estate deal. This is a investment in the kind of community that we want to be. And that's what I would say to everybody. That's the missing piece, but people see this as um, trust, trust the, you know, trust your elected officials um, uh, that, or, or, or economic development officials that you have in place that have, that work with uh, companies all over the world. This is, this is the way it happens. Um, and it, you can safeguard it. You can make it, Fort Wayne worthy, right? But you still have to do it. Amen. Well said. That was a beautiful bow put on that. Um, I guess the last thing I want to finish with is what I ask everyone. What's your favorite thing about Fort Wayne? Oh, you and the kids. That was a layup. <laughs> that, was a, that was a layup. You and the well, kids. I, matter of fact, I Facebooked, uh, I did my Facebook portal this morning with Miss Caroline, uh, telling, oh, me all, telling me all about what she was going to do today. So like herding cats there. Um, boy, Casey, thank you for your time. This was, this was amazing. This is something that talking about it gets me fired up sometimes. So I feel like this was beautiful how we could just cover all these things all at once. I appreciate that. And uh, I want to do a little teaser. We're going to do a part two. Uh, I want to come back and talk about what you're doing now with your life. because I think that could serve as an inspiration to some. So seriously, thank you for taking the time to do this. Anytime. My pleasure. Can't wait Absolutely. to get back to Fort Wayne. For sure. We're, we're welcome. Welcome you back. All right. <laughs> See ya. Bye.